Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, morning sinners. We're all here this morning. That's good. You know, there, there's, a, there's a fancy 50-cent word for asking good morning, saints and sinners, and it was from St. Augustine, and, or Augustine, depends on which school you went to, I suppose. But it's, uh, behold the corpus permixtum. That is, the ragamuffin bodies of saints and sinners that call, that's called the church. And that's, that's what uh, St. Augustine would call us. But anyway... Have you ever been on a trip? And Disney, a friend of mine at Disney years ago said, you know, when you have a trip, there are three parts. There's the planning of the trip. There's the trip itself. And then there's the afterglow. And he ran one of the Disney properties. Um, and he said, it's when we can get the pre-trip, trip, and the afterglow all woven together that it's a good thing. So imagine, you're going to take a trip. You're going to go to an exotic place with lots of sun, beautiful aqua blue water. You're going to have royal palms lining the beach up and down. And you have a beautiful veranda, swimming pool. Oh, you've looked at all the brochures. You're getting the first part of your trip you're getting that experience. You're planning it. You're loving it. You're excited about going to where you're going to go. And, and then you take this long eight-hour drive to get there. And you come to this beautiful resort. And they open the door for you. You get out. They grab your bags for you and walk in. And you walk into this beautiful lobby. And there, birds are flying around. People with little umbrellas and their drinks are sitting on the sofa. You're in a swanky place. You're feeling good. You can't wait to get to your, to your suite. And so the porter takes you upstairs, opens the door, and you have this incredible expectation of what you're about to see. Everything has fallen right into place. You've got it in your mind. Oh, I can't wait to see my room. And they open the door. And there, oh, wow, this is great. But the windows are closed. So you go up to the windows and you pull the shades aside. And you look out and your face drops. You see, the view to the ocean faces west at the sunset. But they have you and your room facing east. And what you see is the parking lot. You see the HVAC towers. You see the trash compactor. You're heartbroken. Expectation versus reality. 
That is what we find in our Scripture today. It is a tussle between expectations and reality. Turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 9. We're going to continue with Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 9. Last week you remember that Jesus and His closest disciples were walking the roads of northern Galilee. And as they were walking, Jesus was trying to keep a low profile in order not to be found, found out because He wanted to spend time with His disciples. And so as they're on the road, He's trying to give them one-on-one -on -one lessons. And He told them, remember last week, I'm gonna, the Son of Man is going to be suffer. He's going to suffer. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be killed. And on the third day, rise again. And, and remember, Peter turned around and said, don't say that. And Jesus quickly said, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking of the things of the world. So even in that first story, the disciples had an expectation of who Messiah would be, and Jesus was painting the reality. And so here we are today. Once again, we're on the road with Jesus and the disciples, the twelve. And He's trying to tell them about the journey He and they are about to take. So please, He says, listen. Once again, He focuses time and attention on the disciples. And this is where we pick up in our story today. Mark chapter 9 beginning with verse 30. They went on from there, that is the disciples and Jesus, and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know it, for He was teaching His disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill Him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they, the disciples, did not understand what he was saying. They were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. And when he was in the house, he asked them, So, what were you arguing about along the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and he said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And not only me, but the one who sent me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Expectation and reality. Today's Scripture 
if you look at it closely, those seven verses, there's a structure to them. And the structure is like a sandwich. It has two pieces of bread called reality, which encompass the stuffness, the stuff filling of expectations. Reality slice number one. For the second time now in Mark's Gospel, and he's going to do it again, by the way, in the 10th Gospel, but this is the second time he tells his beloved disciples, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over and killed, and I will rise again three days after I'm killed. The second time he's told them this. They didn't listen. They didn't stop to ask Jesus, what does this mean? So There's the first slice of reality number one. Then there's an expectation. The disciples. Not just disciples. These are the apostles. Remember that. These are the big twelve. They simply do not hear what Jesus is saying. For the second time, Jesus has given a Stygian description about what is going to happen. You would think, of all people, the apostles would know what he's talking about. That they would stop and ask him a question. Huh? At least that question. But they didn't. Instead, we see, imagine on, on the horizon, you see this group of people walking along. And then pretty soon, you see the group start to split a little bit, and you see the group kind of slow its pace and fall back, and, and the person up front, which is Jesus, is pressing on with purpose. And the little group back here, the apostles, they are talking with one another about their expectations. Instead of talking about what it means, Jesus, they're already using this as an opportunity to size up, okay, after Jesus is gone, we don't know where or what he's talking about, but once he's gone, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the leader? I mean, that's just cold. Jesus is right, right up there. And they're already talking about who's the greatest. They were expecting great things for themselves. They saw themselves as rising in influence, rising in power. And then comes the second slice of reality. Jesus places over that expectation the reality that I'm going to call you out. They get home and Jesus calls them out about what they were saying. And, and they were ashamed. They were ashamed of what they were arguing about. And it's at this point Jesus schools them in what a life of faith looks like. He says, those who want to be the greatest must be the last and servant 
literally slave to all. That's the word that's used. To drive home the point, he takes a child. And the word used describes an infant or a toddler-sized child. And Jesus brings that child in the midst of them, holds the child in his arms. (laughs) And he says, whoever receives and welcomes this child, welcomes me and the one who sent me. Now we live in a culture where we adore our kids. We dote on our kids. We spoil our kids. In three weeks, I'm going to go spoil my new granddaughter. Can't wait. Parents dote all over their children. That's not a bad thing. But let me tell you, that's not what happens in the first century. When Jesus says, whoever welcomes me as such a child in my name, you could have heard a pin drop. For you see, a child had no social standing or importance at all in first century Palestine. Children were used for work. They were hired out. They were even sold to pay a parent's debt. The most vulnerable ones in society, an infant, a toddler, had no standing in the culture. Children back then, they ranked way up there with peasants, the impoverished, and the cultural bottom-of-the-barrel type folk. He's turning it upside down. The way our structure, our story is structured, friends, highlights the gap between reality, expectation. It's not about greatness. It's not about prestige any more than it's about power and influence. No, it's about humility. It's the reality of sacrifice. It's the reality of suffering for the name and serving others in the name on God's behalf. Now, one of the ways I process studying Scripture, it's, pretty, it's a simple process, But after I'd read my lectionary text or the preaching text, what I will do is take a pen and a piece of paper and I will journal a prayer to God with my insights from that particular Scripture. In other words, I will write a prayer back to God of what I think I heard in the text. So let me share with you the letter I wrote a couple days ago about this Distance between expectation and reality. My letter said, Lord Jesus, I receive great comfort from knowing that the apostles are as totally as clueless about you as I am. What a motley group 
you have to work with to share that winsome, new, winsome news to the world. On one hand, Jesus, it's amazing how much good and grace has been generated by your disciples over the years. But on the other hand, quite frankly, Jesus, it's amazing anything substantive has been done in your name because of our penchant not to get it. Jesus, this is the second time in Mark's story where you've told your closest friends. You told them frankly, openly, obviously. You put it out there. What's going to happen to you? You're going to be betrayed. You're going to be given up and given over to oppressive powers. Powers both religious powers and political powers. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be killed. And meanwhile, the ones to whom you are leaving the proverbial keys to the car with after you're gone are arguing about who is in charge. And then, Jesus, when you finally get home and you have them pegged dead to rights, you knew full well what they were talking about as that little group kind of shifted backwards. You knew what they were talking about. What they were bantering about, arguing about on the road. After all the personal time you have spent with them, they have failed to listen and learn your stories. They have failed to understand the miracles, mighty works that, that you have done. Jesus, they didn't get any of the instruction that you gave them one-on-one -on -one training on. Sadly, Jesus, or better, unfortunately, they will have to learn the hard way about what it means to live, to be like, and serve like you they, Jesus, will actually, we, the church, we also will be betrayed. We also will be given up and judged by people in the world because of who you are. We too will receive abuse and mocking from people in the world just like you. And each of us will have to die in some way in our life for you. And like you, we do this for a purpose. We do this in order that the circle of grace can be enlarged, made bigger, more capacious in order to include as many broken, cast-away people that we can find. For Jesus, if we do not go out of our way to love the most vulnerable, the most vulnerable people we see in the world, and Jesus, should we fail to understand that true greatness is found in humility, whereby we run to the very end of the line, to the neglected ones, the forgotten ones, then to Jesus, we will find ourselves drawn outside 
of the circle of grace. None of this, Jesus, will ever make sense to the people and ways of the world. And we pray you will reveal the beauty of this great reversal as we strive to gather as many into the kingdom of Jesus that we can. Help us to empty us of us. That we can be totally available to be completely filled by you. And then I wrote, Amen. Beloved, for Christ's sake, let's all strive to be the last one in line. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Oh Lord, as we gather this day, we admit that we are just like the disciples. We chuckle at their being so obtuse. Lord, we know we would know better. But do we really? Oh Lord, enable us to fully understand what it means to be betrayed handed over, abused, mocked, ridiculed. Help us to identify that in our life which needs to die in order that we may give of ourself to others. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Amen.